The Good Earth is written by Pearl Buck, daughter of American missionaries in China in the late 19th century to the early 20th century. The Good Earth, followed by sons and a house divided, together form a trilogy that earned Miss Buck a Nobel Prize in literature in 1938, a first for an American woman, a saga of the Wong family in the province of Anhui. The trilogy explores issues in agrarian Chinese society a century ago, such as polygamy, landlord tenant strife, and life under ever-increasing Western influence. I came across The Good Earth as a high school senior in my third year in English education and became almost instantly hooked by the China under the pen of a blonde-haired and blue-eyed Westerner. Perhaps that is why I come, keep coming back to it in my adult life. The saga starts with Wong's father, a generational farmer in central China, across the basin of Yangtze River the longest in China, and almost double the length of Mississippi in the U.S. Born in the 1860s, Wong dutifully got married in his early 20s to an orphaned maid by the name of Olan in a prosperous family. Together, they produced three sons and three daughters one of them disabled and never married. Luckier than most farmers, however, Wong and his wife managed to save up and accumulated plots many-fold, that of his father's holding. As the family moved up the economic ladder, the temptation of a leisurely life raised its ugly head. Wong did something unthinkable for men of his status at the time, which is to take up the practice of polygamy. He's marrying three wives, earned him the wrath of his own father. We are farmers. We don't live like the bourgeoisie. As the good earth comes to an end, the family saga shifts from Wong to his three sons. Wong the landlord, Wong the merchant, and Wong the tiger. When it comes to the women, the author leaves out their names, much in keeping with the stern patriarchy of the time, with the exception of Wong's three wives. His first wife, Olan, is revealed through her childhood as a maid, her joining her future husband at the age of 20, and her role as Wong's wife and housekeeper. Although little is known as to how she's perceived as a mother in the eyes of her children, Olan's frugal and tenacious ways, however, could not stop her husband from taking in two more wives. The spendthrift lotus and the young pear blossom 
who became a nun in her widowhood and took care of her learning-impaired stepdaughter, who accidentally drowned at the age of 52. One of the two age markers throughout the trilogy. In this family saga, spanning three generations, all other women below Olan are then referred to as Wong's daughter or wife of Wong the merchant, etc. Although Miss Buck did give a rendering as to their looks, upbringing, and ways. In Sons and a House Divided, the focus of the family saga seems to shift to Wong the Tiger. The youngest of three brothers, who is husband of two, and a father of a precious single son, in addition to three daughters, on whom he never so much laid an eye. The son of Wong the Tiger stands out in his generation of male descendants by being the only avid pursuer of a Western-style education. When he told his father of an agricultural school that teaches about production of more crops a year and more harvest each time, Wong the Tiger barked, I have never heard of a school like that. Farming is watching the next guy and doing what he does. Of the dozen or so characters that I consider main characters, my favorite turns out to be Wong the Merchant, a middle son who is a born businessman with unremarkable looks and manners. He stands out as the only male in his generation and his father's for his steadfast rejection of polygamy. His marriage is portrayed as the happiest of all and his attitude the least misogynistic. You might wonder what kind of a wife his was that prevented him from ever going close to another woman. You may be equally surprised to find out that his wife is a country woman much like Aldonza Lorenzo, a vulgar and earthy prostitute who serves as a polar opposite for Dulcinea, a fantasy character in Don Quixote, written three centuries prior in 1605 and 1615 by Miguel Cervantes of Spain. When Wong the Tiger asked both brothers to find a match for him, Wong the Merchant expressly rejected any Dulcinea like young women with literary and artistic inclinations favored by the oldest brother, Wong the Landlord. Our brother can read and write just fine. I don't see why he needs all this erudition in a wife. Wong the Tiger ends up marrying both Dulcinea and her real-life opposite. And true to form, it is the latter that produced the only son for Wong the Tiger, who lived a quiet life in the shadow of his two brothers after he returned home from an itinerant military life lasting almost two decades. 
as successful as Wang the merchant in both his career and family. He also suffered the greatest tragedy in the family saga. Never had to mediate more than one spouse. Wang the merchant never took the time to instill any manner in his uncultured country wife until her own vulgar language cost her her life at the hands of tenant farmers. Whenever I pass by the landlord-tenant court in Manhattan and Queens in the past 15 years, I think of Wong the merchant and the violent end suffered by his wife almost a century ago in a place called Anhui, China. A century later, on a different continent, institutions are put in place to resolve landlord-tenant disputes civilly. Still, it's only recently that I read in New York Times that landlords are crazy if they think all tenants will pay rent on time all the time. Landlord-tenant relations is one of the top three issues that make Pearl Buck and her trilogy truly timeless.